show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Experience, business, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Consumer first health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status. No. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back to the leading podcast about consumer innovation. I'm Jared Johnson, founder of Shift Forward Health, and welcome to our 300th episode. Here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week, recapping the major headlines from 2023. As the new year unfolds and we hear about more big moves, can we commit to look beyond the hot takes and view them through a consumer's lens? I'll talk about that. Then we continue our 2024 predictions series where we're sharing predictions for consumer transformation in the coming year and beyond. Zane and I start by reviewing our predictions from a year ago and then offer some new takes on what could be coming from inside and outside traditional care providers. I'll warn you that some of our takes might be more unexpected than others. So, hey, it's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. With all the headlines that kept us talking in 2023, it's safe to say that healthcare is available in more ways from more places than ever before. Let's take a quick look back at some of the major deals and new offerings to remind ourselves of how much happened in just a year. In the first half of the year, Amazon launched RX Pass, a $5 a month prime add-on for all you need generic drugs. OptumRx launched Price Edge, a tool to automatically provide members the best available prescription drug price. CVS announced its $10.8 billion acquisition of Oak Street Health, which provides value based primary care for older adults. Walmart Health announced an expansion to nearly doubling its size to more than 75 Walmart health centers across the country by the end of 2024. Kaiser Permanente acquired Geisinger Health in a bid to launch a multi-system value-based care platform called Ryzant Health. CVS completed its acquisition of home health giant Signify Health, which was first announced in September 2022 for $8 billion. And United Health acquired another home health giant, Amedesis, in a $3.3 billion deal. The second half of the year also had a lot going on. Blue Shield of California announced they were ending their 15-year PBM relationship with CVS and replacing it with Amazon and Mark Cuban Cost Plus Drug Company. Amazon announced that Prime members can now add one medical memberships as a Prime benefit for only $9 a month. Best Buy announced hospital-at-home partnerships with major health systems including Geisinger, OSF, Atrium Health, and Mass General Brigham. They also began carrying continuous glucose monitoring devices with a prescription. And at the end of the year, CVS announced new drug pricing models called CVS Cost Vantage and CVS true cost. And don't forget the quote-unquote smaller players either. For instance, Costco launched online healthcare visits to members for $29. Instacart launched Instacart Health. 
Rural health startup Homeward raised another $50 million to continue its partnership to provide mobile health units in Rite Aid parking lots. Dollar General didn't make a big step, but they did announce mobile health clinics at three locations in Tennessee. Kroger Health got into the clinical trial area with their announcement of a clinical trial site network. Albertsons launched Sincerely Health, a digital health and wellness platform. Grocery chain Hy-V announced the launch of Hy-V Healthy You, a new health and wellness subscription service. And vitamins and supplements retailer GNC announced a free supplemental health Healthcare membership program called GNC Health that includes free telehealth appointments and access to a curated set of medications. As the new year unfolds and we hear more about big moves because they're sure to come, I want to challenge us to look at them through a consumer's lens. I invite you to hone the skill of evaluating whether new deals and offerings can provide a better experience for everyday people. You, me, your loved ones, your colleagues and friends. Look beyond the hot takes and ask whether we're moving in a new direction where healthcare is easier, more convenient, less scary, more accessible and more affordable. Because that's the destination. And getting there will be the true headline for us all to talk about. Let's remember how consumer health offerings evolved in 2023 and embrace what's coming next. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, let's get into the flow, y'all. For the 300th time, we are here on the Healthcare Wrap. That's a little mind-bending to think about, but I'm here with Zane. Man, uh, how are you doing? Hey, Jared, 300. That's huge. Yeah, I was trying to look up the significance of that number. Not much besides, you know, a certain uh, certain Hollywood movie about, uh, you know, 300 strong. Yes. We certainly, we've certainly been making a lot of content because it wasn't it just the 200th episode or 250. I thought we just celebrated something. That was this year. That was this calendar year. Oh my god, it was 250. Yeah, okay. that's crazy. We're pumping it out pumping it out. Well, yeah, and I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up the year to tell you the truth. We've had these last couple of predictions episodes with yes. just rock star guests. We've had Zev Newworth. We've had Ann Summers Hogg from the Clayton Christensen Institute. We had Jane Saracen Khan always just paying homage to the, the homework she does and the trends that she spots early on. And Amy Heyman's with her. I mean, just fantastic episodes. And I'm really excited to do this. And what I think we'll do, just to make the most of our time here, we will celebrate all along as we go. Again, you know, 300 is a lot to think about. Yep. But we're going to focus specifically on the predictions we made a year ago. We'll hold ourselves, it feels somewhat accountable, not necessarily fully accountable here, because there's always some flexibility in there. But what I think we could do is... Zane, try to look back. We can briefly review last year's predictions. Sure. Kind of, you know, not even give ourselves a letter grade, but just, you know, see where we were right, where we were, you know, totally off because I was definitely totally off on a couple of things. <laughs> and then we, we'll, we'll try a couple of, of new things. These predictions are focused just like the last couple of episodes on consumer transformation, which is the umbrella term in our minds for anything that's helping drive consumer-centered innovation in the space. Yep. So while we have focused a lot on non-traditional entrants, there are things going on on the health system side. There, there are things that are happening. And so you know, we want to be mindful of that and, and just drive that forth. So yep. without further ado, any thoughts before we get going? I would just say, I think... I've always been decently good at this and you know, I can't tell you, well, you know, because you got the message, I'll message you or James every now and then said, hey, we were right. We got this. I was right. And so this is always a fun episode to do, but I don't think we always get it right. And so we will be honest with our listeners this episode and tell the truth. Yeah, agreed. Well, I'll tell you what, a perfect place to start is one of the predictions you had last year, which was focusing on the increased scrutiny for nonprofit hospitals tax exempt status and some trickle down effects 
into where they would and would not invest as a result. But want to start there and, and, and talk us through what you observed there this year? Yeah, that was a good one. And if I remember last year, I was in the, the mindset that all the COVID money that a lot of these hospital systems received you know, would ultimately find its way into the public. And then when these health systems would cry foul that they have no money, that wouldn't sit well with the public. And has it been such a big deal this year, particularly around their tax exempt status? Probably not as much as I thought it would be. And so maybe I'd give myself a B grade, maybe C plus. But what I do see, Jared, is just still increased scrutiny around, call it, maybe not the tax exempt status in particular, but just call it the business of healthcare. And, you know, at least locally, so I'm based out of Detroit, uh, there's been some mergers and acquisitions go on. And I, I do see in the media people really questioning, you know, are hospitals delivering value anymore given what they cost and given the tax exempt? So it's not, it's not the front page of the news, but maybe it's on like the third page. And so I think, I think it's a C for me, C plus, but I do still think that'll be something underlying that all health system leaders are going to have to, you know, be careful of and, and continue to monitor. Yeah, I like that one when you mentioned it in last year's episode because I, I do think it has just a trickle down effect and in, in branding for sure of hospitals, their outreach, and if they're coming from a place where uh, they see themselves as this beacon of hope and being part of a community. I think that's one of the aspects you mentioned last year is being part of a community, like the center of a community helping people live better lives. And that's a challenge to have any messaging like that if if they're if they really have something floating out there in the middle of like, wait, their CEO is getting paid how much? Yep. Well exactly. And that's like when we start discussing about executive salaries, both on the payer side and health system side, I think that's when people start to like really have some questions about what is the value here. To connect, you know, our audience to other episodes, I do think the health systems that do that will survive this the best, so survive that scrutiny, will be rural health systems, who usually are much more actually connected in their community. Because there's a lot, in a lot of cases, they're the only hospital, and everyone knows who works there, right? And they, they're buddy buddy with the mayor. And so, I do think urban systems that might find themselves in the you know the PR crosshairs should look to rural systems to see, well, how do they solve this for the community? How do they keep um, demonstrating value? How do they to- how do they completely ingrain themselves in the community to the point where the community actually believes and recognizes that these health systems are delivering value, so much value, in fact, that we're willing to keep them tax exempt. And so look to rural for help there to all of our urban um, health system leaders. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so my first prediction last year was the rise of the chief consumer officer. So meaning health system and provider side that will see more leadership positions responsible for consumer experience and or consumer transformation. I feel like this, well, it was kind of a, a softball to begin with, not, not going to lie. It wasn't like a, a crazy one to this that we'd see an uptick. And I do think, you know, it's probably, you know, I might give myself a B on that too, because yeah, there, in terms of titles, yeah, there are a lot more out there that say the word consumer or experience in there. And so, that's very noteworthy. And I think that's where I was going with it overall. I'd pointed to a LinkedIn search that you do just chief consumer officers in hospitals and healthcare, and they were the same number as there were chief marketing officers. It's not exactly empirical data, you know, but it was it was one thing that really caught my attention. And so the one note that I made last year was that the rise of leadership positions focusing on consumer experience 
will be short-lived if they don't coalesce as a community, if they don't demonstrate the value of experience and of design thinking, of the tool sets that they need. Like If they're not evangelizing and marketing internally to communicate that value, because otherwise we'll face the exact same things as, as digital transformation faced early on and continues to face of just the continued perception of what the value is. So that's why I, I don't think it's all there yet. So yeah, I, I probably feel like a, like a B is there. I do think we'll continue to see that rise and we will see more leadership there. And, and the caveat is, well, let's make sure we are aligned in what that story is and what the value is that we're conveying. I like that. That's, I think that's a fair rating. Okay. Okay. So your, your second one uh, last year was, I feel like it had to do with the first one, but you're talking about health systems and digital health companies investing in determinants of health, you know, social determinants of health, drivers of health. I love all the names that we use for them, but we all know what they're talking about. The factors in our environment, many of which we don't have control over, that lead to our health and wellness. So connecting health systems and digital health companies taking the lead, connecting people to services beyond clinical care. What did you see about this one? Yeah, I don't know if we quite got that one. Like Again, it's kind of happening slowly but surely in the background. My thought is payment models haven't yet haven't necessarily caught up where we would see this type of activity on mass. But I think where we are seeing it is with um, you know disruptors and digital health companies who are really targeting employers directly, where there's so much more freedom to because you're, you're not necessarily you know looking for an insurance payment. There's so much more freedom to innovate and come up with new products. So I do, or sorry, new products and new offerings. I do think you see that a little bit there where there's some of these digital health companies targeting employers who are not only helping employers better connect their employees to medical benefits, but also health and wellness and everything else. Really coming from a perspective of how do we keep employees healthy, well, and fighting presenteeism and absenteeism. And so I do think you see some signals there a little bit. And then, well, maybe I'll hold the next piece for when I actually make my prediction for this year. But I do think, you know, maybe I'd give us a rating, maybe a rating of like B minus there, where again, the trend is happening slowly but surely in the background, but maybe not as explicitly as we would have hoped it, hoped it would get. I agree. It's there. You know, it's not, I don't know, there, there's some momentum behind it and, and hopefully we see more. I like that. Okay, so the second one from me last year was value-based care with non-traditional entrants. So I am trying to steer away after Jane's episode last week about not using the word disruptor as much because that kind of turns off uh, a lot of providers and stuff. So I'm like, okay, so non-traditional entrance, but value-based care with not just ACOs, like not just the model of health systems, hospitals in a region or whatever, or a state uh, health information exchange, even there. And I don't know where, I, I mean, I don't know exactly where we are with this, to tell you the truth. I mean, there are examples, like I think I was pointing to folks like retail, some retailers who we'd heard of, CVS, Health Accountable Care, they've made some strides. I mean, they announced a partnership with Catholic Health this year. They were already working with Rush. They have some bits and pieces there. I, I just don't know how widespread it is, and I don't know how how much of an impact it ultimately makes on a consumer. We're, right? We're focusing on everyday people. You're making your your healthcare choices, the things that you expect, uh, your, your expectations, your hopes and dreams. So, you know, all related to health and wellness. I don't know how much of an impact it has on that because I've always kind of wondered what what the everyday person understands about value-based care to begin with. Sure. Maybe that was more of like a, I don't know, like a C minus almost of like, yeah, it's out there, but I just don't know the impact. I think you can give yourself more points than that. Maybe like B plus, A minus, in my opinion, because 
the non-traditional entrants that are making the news are all in the value-based space. And so think about Village MD, you know, CVS, Homeward Health, ChenMed. You, know, you could even argue like the direct primary care groups, like even like a forward or a crossover. In a sense, they're value-based too because they're you know managing membership fees and trying to deliver to less cost than what those members are less. They're delivering care for less than, hopefully less than you're paying them in membership fees. And so that's all the rage right now. And you could also argue all the direct-to-employer stuff too is the same. And so I think you should give yourself some more points in there. Value-based care is definitely the thing that's happening in real time. And I think we're both plugged into the community enough to know that there are probably some announcements coming in quarter one or quarter two that'll solidify this even more. All right. Well, I will take the extra grade for sure. (laughs) I do see what you mean. I mean, when I think about part of it is just the term value-based care, right? Which has always to the everyday person, anyone working outside of healthcare and half of us inside of it are like, what do you mean by that? And so I've always resonated to Dr. Gordon Chen's description of transformative care, because I do think it's more all-encompassing and it doesn't matter who the player is who's providing the care. It's the fact of how they're approaching a true care coordination that's like, hey, you know, if we need a weekly, you know, stop by the home visit, then we do that. You know, if we need to help here, here, then we do that. If it's food as medicine, like we're going to pull that in. But somebody really quarterbacking that. And so they've used the term transformative care. And when we think about it that way, definitely a lot of the players you mentioned who are not you know, these non-traditional players really, really are making strides there. So yeah, I like that. And there's so many more too. Like we just, li- I think we just lifted, listed like the hood ornament organization that everyone kind of knows, but there's probably a hundred more that are small and tiny that are just getting out there starting. So, oh yeah, there's specialty, specialty care, secondary care. Like there, it really is kind of early stages, which is hard to think because the, the concept has been around for decades, but absolutely. So overall, not bad. You know, I, I wouldn't say we were like totally off base anywhere, you know, from a year ago, so which that, that's good to hear. Maybe that'll fuel our, our predictions for this coming year, yes. put a little pressure on, but you know, we'll, we'll do our best here. Yes. We want to, you know, maybe share a couple of new predictions a piece. Do you want to go first? So again, these are things that are focused on consumer transformation, what might make an impact either just in the headlines or something that can truly affect where things are. I want to bring back a prediction I think I made two years ago and put it back on the table as something to watch for for our listeners. And that is the prediction that consumer-facing healthcare or digital health, the future of that is going to be connected fitness. And I won't say who it is. Maybe we'll invite them to our show when they're ready to talk about it. But there's at least three early stage startup slash organizations that I've talked with just informally in the last two, two weeks that are in that exact space. And I almost fell out of my chair when they reached out. And I told them, I said, hey, we need to get you on our podcast because Jared and I foretold that this day would come. And here you are two years ago. And so again, it's this idea that you know, as much as we talk about value-based care and moving care upstream, the further you go, eventually you're, you find yourself in the health, wellness, and fitness industry, right? That's If you want to stay healthy, that is as, ups, as far upstream as you can go without getting into you know, playing God and actually modifying your genes at birth to always be healthy, right? And so I do think as health systems start to move and, and, or, and non-traditional entrants start to move into value-based arrangements, they're going to realize that they need... They need an everyday health and wellness partner, and there are organizations out there that are starting to see that and are, are looking to now partner with payers 
disruptors and health systems to be that partner. You know, even firms like PT firms as well, you know, play a role in this for health systems that want to compete in in MSK and you name it. And so I do think that's going to be on the table. I think groups like Lululemon and their Mir product, Peloton and their product, someday, somehow could be a, a powerful digital health tool in the sense that they're, you know, bringing fitness into the home of people's or bringing fitness into the in right into people's homes. You know, I I'm I'm no technologist, um, but I'm sure you could easily connect those things. Like we're already starting to connect our Fitbits to your medical record, and you know, imagine being prescribed. You know, you're on some cardio rehab program, and you'd be prescribed like 30 minutes of Peloton every day, right? Why not? And I would say. Um, here I am rambling. I guess that's what we do on podcasts. But it is. When I first started out, when I was just a kid in healthcare, I remember visiting. Back, this is when I was working back home in Canada. I remember visiting the rehab hospital that was in our community or within our region. And I don't know. I had never been to one. I'm like, I didn't have a picture for what rehab would be. And they brought me to the cardiac rehab wing of the hospital. And you know what it was, Jared? It was just a big room full of treadmills. I'm like, wait a minute, this is like a gym. And so again, why can't, you know, the more fitness oriented organizations start to partner with the more clinically oriented organizations and come together on this and, you know, bring some cool equipment, some cool technology and the clinical minds behind it to do something really awesome for people. And so I think it's going to happen. It won't happen next year, but the trend will continue and hopefully eventually someone will find this episode and say, wow, they were spot on. And so that's my big prediction uh, going into 2024. That's a big one. You know, the one example that came to mind for me, and I got to credit Dr. Zev Newworth, who again was uh, just here a couple weeks ago, but on a previous episode that he did on the Life Centered Healthcare podcast with Ann Summers Hogg, he highlighted the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York, how they spun out a separate company called Right Move, and it was virtual visits for physical rehab. And so, like, and they were actually they were they were VC funded. They did it also that their their business model, their operations, all the shared services were in a different bucket, so they didn't have to compete for resources with the health system with the existing service lines. And so, I mean, I can see that just like adding rocket fuel to what you're just talking about, and, and really getting that. And there's this this whole trend now, you know, especially in the last six months. You know, I've received a number of phone calls, mostly from some of my Canadian friends. Um, who are struggling with the Canadian health system, go figure, and you know, are interested in procuring service in the US, but all linked around like wellness. Like they want extra blood tests. They want to know what's going on with their blood, what's going on with their hormones. And they're really in this this mindset, like how do I optimize my my health and fitness? And so I think that's another like subtrend that's feeding into this. So think of like the Everly Wells of the world who are offering those point of care tests that usually, or I don't want to say usually, but a lot of clinicians don't necessarily recognize because you could argue they're not needed, but who cares? If I want to test my blood every month to know what my D levels are, vitamin C, like whatever, right? I should be able to do that so that I can optimize my health and live my best life. And so I think all these things will come together to start to bring fuel around this broader trend that we've identified. Well, I love that. You know, again, we could, we could really go deep on that, maybe even a whole episode on it, on the possibilities. You know, I think about, you know, family members who are type 1 diabetic, you know, who, yeah. if cost and access aren't barriers anymore to managing chronic conditions or just managing your existing health and wellness. Well, hey, I mean, you just made me think of another thing. So, you know, you know, my day job, I'm a consultant. And in our office, 
one of my colleagues, because our FSA will cover it, uh, purchased the, uh, I forget what it's called, it's the Continuous Blood Glucose Monitoring Patch. Yeah. Put it on herself, and like every day she'd send me an update, and she said, this is amazing. And I almost did it myself. Like, I don't have diabetes. It runs in my family, mind you. But I would actually love to know, like, how... How is my blood sugar doing? I would love to compare it to, you know, what I'm eating, very similar to what I do with my Fitbit. Like when I first got a Fitbit and now had numbers and stats um, connected to my overall health, I couldn't imagine a life without it now. Now I know my numbers, I know when I need to walk more, and I'm in a lot better health since I got it. And so, I do, again, there's this trend around keep me well, health optimization, and all these tools now that were ultimately just used in ultra-clinical settings are now becoming more of a lifestyle thing for, for that subset of the population like me and hopefully you that wants to be super healthy and, and live our best life. And so, again, it's coming. It is. I love that. I think we could get, yeah. We're, we're talking about you know where things ultimately matter in the context of someone's lives, not just, oh, I want to go see a doctor today or I need to go see a doctor today. You know, we're, we're, we're talking, like you said, upstream. And, I, and that is where where everything is leading. So I love that the technology that enables us to scale up our own health and wellness in that direction is that's why we're talking about this stuff, because it can have profound impacts on everyone's lives, not just a segment. Totally agree. So my first one is just thinking about the the macroeconomics, right? We're going into an election year. So the perceived market instability that tends to happen there of people just kind of putting a hold on that big investment or that that big new change. I think we're gonna see a lot of moves on the on the game board, if you will. The mergers and acquisitions, I think, have just started. But when we're talking about making investments in digital health, we all know, like we said, you know, the the COVID level spending on digital health, that's not coming back this year for sure. I don't it's probably not coming back ever. At this rate, it's hard, it's hard to see. Something would have to change. But I don't see that coming back at all this year. So knowing that like we're probably in the sustained period of this lower level of funding overall, at least in the you know, on the VC side of things. That trickles down to other digital investments for health systems. That trickles down to like just this continued cautiousness. We've got to be creative. And so I do think we'll actually see more types of, of moves that we haven't expected as a result. And it's not the same thing as the billions of dollars that retailers have spent on acquisitions this year. I don't, I don't see that happening. What I do see is more moves like Ryzant Health. Like these kind of unexpected, kind of unprecedented collaborations, which still have yet to really take footing, you know, take hold into anything meaningful. But that's what's going to happen. I, I feel like we're not going to see a whole lot of new investments. There's just going to be more cautious spending because no one knows what's going to happen. So yeah, that's just one thought. I can see that, and and almost like just like doubling doubling down on doubling down on the basics. You know, I see that even in our business, like just what health systems are coming to us for now is less of like the hood ornament stuff and it's more on, okay, let's double down on what we probably should have did three or four years ago and make sure that's good and right before we move on to something more extreme or seek a broad partnership. So I agree with that. All right, do you have another one? My other prediction really was, this one was going to be super specific and you know, maybe it's not the greatest prediction, but... I want to talk a little bit about Walmart Health. And so as I see them continue to take the country by storm, I do think you're going to see a lot of a lot more partnerships with health systems. And so I noted this year their partnership with Orlando Health around specialty care. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some of these, particularly like primary health disruptors, 
now that they've sort of set up their primary care, got, sorry, gotten, call it wave one of their services set up around primary health and primary care, I do think they're going to start to reach out to other more traditional players in the system for specialty care or other types of services that they're not necessarily delivering. And I almost bet our good friend James would have a lot more to say about this when he's on the show. And so I'm going to, I would hope he agrees with me. So I'm going to put my chips with him on this one and and those large retail disruptors, you're going to see more partnerships with that moving forward. Love that. And for those who are not familiar, that's James Gardner, our, our regular correspondent and friend. And we're actually going to be doing a separate predictions episode with him because there were so much top, so many topics for us to cover uh, that we're going to actually make this a two-parter predictions episode. So, so yeah, spoiler alert, folks. Uh, there's going to be another one <laughs> after this, and, and we will talk about partnerships for sure in that one. So uh, I'm excited for that. I do see that too, though. I think overall, the types of partnerships are are what we're learning. Are They're more varied. That there are more types of partnerships than we are originally thinking. Was it originally just, hey, there's a retailer with minute clinics or you know primary care clinics, and, and we want to be their specialty care referral you know, path. Cool. That's one level. But when we were mentioning earlier, the CVS Accountable Care partnership with Catholic Health, their partnership with Rush, when we were talking about partnerships with someone like Clear for, again, I don't know if we're, we totally know all the details, but like if there's a way to partner with a well-known brand out there that has one component of a consumer experience nailed down, Okay, cool. Like, let's explore that. So I think the types of partnerships we're going to hear about this new year, I, I can see that being kind of new and maybe feel unexpected. But then when we think about it, we're like, yeah, of course, that makes sense. You know, if that's one less thing that the hospital chief strategy officer or chief digital or innovation officer has to figure out because somebody else has already figured that out, let's partner that we're talking about, it seems like. And I would say, um, again, some of this is what I do for a living every day. Like if you read behind the... um if you read behind the press releases, some of these press releases seem like pretty complicated and sexy and wow, like it's so unattainable what they're doing. But the partnerships themselves are pretty traditional healthcare partnerships. In a lot of cases, you see a primary care type organization that has a, a lot of scale are now starting to look for a place to put their patients when it comes to specialty care or services that they don't ultimately have and vice versa. You see health systems looking to ingest more patients, if you will, to provide those higher acuity specialty services, which is traditional healthcare 101. And so it doesn't matter if it's Walmart on one side and Mayo on the other. Don't get starstruck by the logos. It's just a traditional healthcare play where things do get a little bit more innovative and new is when there's different business models wrapped around it being like any type of membership fees or things like that that you see with like one medical and forward health but beyond that it's traditional healthcare and so to our leaders listening on both sides of the fence don't you know don't get too intimidated by what you're reading in a sense you could do it too and what i would say is for health system leaders especially unfortunately i think they're getting to, into a place where they're a little bit commoditized And unfortunately, they're going to have to start to be order takers or price takers, similar to how hotels have found themselves in this position where the, call it the demand aggregators, meaning those travel websites are now partnering with all these hotels and saying, hey, do you want to take Zane tonight for 150 bucks or or nothing, right? And so I do think you're going to continue to see that on the hospital system side. They They won't necessarily be in the position of bargaining strength unless you're at the top of the market, like a Cleveland Clinic or Mayo or Intermountain or whoever we think to be the big, big, you know, most prominent specialty organizations in the country. So that's my comment there. I love that thought. 
and I can see I can see that happening little by little. That could snowball definitely in the coming year. All right, my last prediction here, and then we'll get into our little lightning round of movers and shakers, uh, which is always fun. But um, my last one is is just as a lot of listeners may know, you know, just listening through this this year. Uh, I have focused a lot on hospital at home because it has been an area for me to learn about, but I've also just seen the opportunity, I guess, as a result. When we've have had on folks like Deborah DeSanzo, the president of Best Buy Health, Chris McGee, the CEO of Current Health, you know, they're they're uh, monitoring the the tech arm of Best Buy Health, and we talk about what that can look like for someone. I like that that there's an opportunity here. I like that that. It's possible for us to just dream a little bit. And, and given this is just like a lot of healthcare, we're like, hey, there, there's a chance that healthcare policy could trump any investments that have been he- made here. Meaning there's this acute hospital care at home waiver from CMS that is in play right now through the end of 2024. So there is reimbursement for it at a sufficient level where there have been lots of investments in it. What I didn't realize is how much it had grown. The the program has grown to 125 health systems. Uh, this is according to Healthcare IT News. 125 health systems, 289 hospitals in 37 states since 2020, when the waiver was first originally placed. You know, during the early early days of COVID 19, and the thought is, okay, well, you know, if they if they don't extend the waiver, then all of this is for naught. And I just think like there's a lot of drama about it. When the fact is, like, it does feel like there's there's enough evidence that there's something here. There's some reason to have some kind of waiver in place, and that it is widely believed that between CMS and private insurers, between them, they'll ultimately put into place some type of permanent reimbursement for care at home. And that's not all hospital at home, or you know, that's specifically like the acute care part. Which does involve you know, some kind of remote monitoring, you know, patient check-in, so virtual visits, and I just feel like they're having this moment, and so I don't think it's ultimately going to go away, but I do think there's going to be people who are continuing to be like, like hesitant, like I don't know, I don't know, maybe we shouldn't invest here, but I do think there's like current health wants to be that player. There, there are others. I think you probably mentioned uh, Sprinter Health, I think, last year. And then we'll get to them because you mentioned them in your movers and shakers last year. They're not the only player in the space, right? But there are, you know, there's bioformists. Like there are others here who have some something to do with, with remote patient monitoring and so forth. Things that happen in the home. But I think some of those bold bets will pay off. I do think some kind of waiver will be put in place. And then we'll know at least for the next couple of years, who knows how long that'll last, but hopefully it's something permanent where we can build on that. Because there is a part, again, when this all comes back to consumers' needs and expectations, there's a part of us that says, for things that you don't have to go to the hospital in, are there more things that you don't have to go to the hospital for to be cared for at a higher acuity level now? And if so, then it's worth figuring out what that is, what that looks like, setting up, you know, having those conversations rather than just like, oh, I don't want to do it at all. So I do think hospital home will continue to have a moment, I guess, is what it comes down to. I do think there will be something that gets put into place, recognizing that that might be one reason why some systems are still hesitant. But there's no reason for us not to be optimistic. I feel like that something can happen and that uh, hospital home programs will continue to grow. I like that. I think one of the hesitations too is just so complicated. <laughs> yeah, my reflection, you know, having spent most of my career working in health systems, is, and I feel like I'm always being negative. It's not my intention to be negative all the time, but I feel like a lot of healthcare leaders in hospital systems—that's all they know—and they cannot even begin to imagine trying to deliver care outside of for the four walls of 
the clinic they're already in. And it's, it's just like a mind, it's a mind conundrum that's so great. They just can't imagine it. And some of that insight came to me when I was still working in hospital systems through COVID, when we had to transform, you know, public space in the hospital into extra, you know, COVID beds. It was such a jarring experience for some of our leaders to imagine something different. Mind you, we're still within the hospital campus, right? I couldn't imagine them trying to work through making the right decisions to build a hospital at home program. And so that's why I think these disruptors or sorry, new entrants who just start in that space, bring entrepreneurial mindsets and creative mindsets to it can do it so quickly because they're not married to what it used to look like, right? Yeah, that's a great point because that's exactly the thing I've heard anytime I bring it up. And if anyone who's like, I don't know if that's going to like, it is complicated and the experience is horrible. I would say that's the current state. <laughs> that's yeah. folks I know who, who are working through it every day in their own home. They're like, mm-hmm, but do we? We need something better. This isn't it. Yep. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what. Let, let's uh, we'll leave ourselves a couple minutes here. I, I think we we have some good predictions here that we can focus on this next year. What we like to wrap up with this is our lightning round, which is just a couple of movers and shakers. So these are big tech, big retail, digital health brands, maybe even lesser known ones, but just leaders who we think we'll be talking about a lot in 2024. Sure. So last year's and you mentioned mentioned Sprinter Health, so in the home health space as well. Is there anyone you think we'll be talking about a lot? Yeah, I mean, for Sprinter specifically, I haven't seen a whole lot from them. Not that they're not around. I think they're doing great work. But, you know, Jared, one that has come that I pay a lot of attention to, mainly because I just think it's cool, it's Zipline. And so I think this whole drone delivery of meds and durable medical equipment, though I think delivering things by drone is not necessarily needed, it's I think it's cool and I think it will continue to happen. And so I think that's not going to change healthcare. You know, no one's going to, it's not going to radically change a whole lot, at least not that I can think through, at least in the immediate term. But I do think we'll see more health systems continue to pilot with them and see how they can integrate that into their, call it last mile delivery of care, mainly because I think it's cool. I also think you know, as Amazon gets better at doing that too with all their products and services, I'm almost certain they will, once they're ready to do it, if they're not already doing it, they will, um, wait, they announced they're going to do it if I'm not mistaken. Um, they will also be delivering their meds by drones in certain markets. And so I don't think the day is far away when we'll be saying that drone delivery, drone delivery of medications will just be a competitive necessity, just like having a website. As crazy as that sounds, I think the day is coming quicker than we realize. Maybe not in all markets, but in the big cities, you know, where they've ha- where they have um, this infrastructure laid out for it to be done, I think it's going to happen. And again, not suggesting that drone delivery be going to change anyone's life. But I think it's going to be a part of the ecosystem. Makes sense to me. I like that. I'll just throw out a couple here as we wrap up. Uh, so last year I mentioned Best Buy Health. I said they'd make a, another big splash acquisition, you know, after acquiring Current Health. So they didn't necessarily do that, but I do think they stayed in the headlines throughout the year announcing partnerships. So they announced basically organizations where they were implementing hospital at home, like enabling or empowering hospital at home programs. So Mass General Brigham, Geisinger, you know, a lot of uh, Atrium Health, major health systems. And so I, I think those were wins. They definitely were ones we were talking about a lot. And then I mentioned, uh, let's see, who else did I mention last year? I don't know, that's the main one I remember. Oh, I mentioned Homeward last year. So same thing. Like I don't think they're out of the out of the spotlight. I didn't hear a whole lot of big, big things, but you know, still doing great work. So I, I think those are a couple. I think this year... You know, a fun one would be. I, I I definitely do think if I had to pick anyone, I I would say I I just 
Best Buy seems to have some momentum. I kind of want to keep them again this this year as a as a mover and shaker when I think we'll be talking about a lot. I don't know if that means. I mean, like they they did just announce like a another partnership with with BioBeats, so or BioBeat. Uh, so they they offer wearables for remote patient patient monitoring. I think they kind of consider themselves in a slightly different class of wearables. So I don't know a whole lot about that, but that was just like a few days ago or a couple weeks ago. So I, I would guess like they're they're still rounding out their platform. It seems like uh, you know, but they've offered yeah continuous glucose monitoring platforms, hearing devices over the counter for the first time that the FDA has approved and and things. So yeah, they're out there. The two others that I think are going to be intriguing. Well, one's going to be intriguing because I, I think Costco, after announcing its initial foray into a primary care service, I don't think that's the end for them. I don't know what makes me say that. I just feel like that's not going to be the only healthcare-related like digital health service that they're going to offer. I think they're going to find some value. Costco is all about finding a loyalty play. Everything they do, you know, getting your tires changed, being able to, you know, your, your battery for your car, whatever the thing is. It's for loyalty. And so if that's a need, they're going to find a partner for it. In their case, they're partnering with Sesame, right? So I think that's that's a big part here. We should be talking about the partner organizations that are enabling these big brands to do stuff like that. I'm going to be curious too, just to see, I don't know if the data will ever come out, but like how many Costco members did sign up with Sesame or use their services? Or how many Amazon Prime members are going to take that nine ninety nine a month deal with One Medical? I think that will be super telling if and when those numbers get published. I agree. Let's use that. Let, let's see what's actually happening or not. And then the very last one I'll throw out there is is <laughs> is Target. Uh, not because they're doing anything now. Just you know we're doing predictions, right? Uh, I made a play about halfway through the year. You know, in the flavor of the week, I just talked about like they have been notably quiet compared to everyone else, but. I just feel like they could be at this tipping point where they're like, look, why are we always talking about Walmart health? <laughs> you know, like they, they could f- see some opportunity there. Look, they're already prominently featuring health and wellness products, like their brand compared to Walmart's brand as a way for talking about like connecting fitness and wellness to your own personal health. I just think brand wise, it could be a win win. I think I could see them launching their own version of, of a minute clinic that offers basic cash pay pricing. Or some kind of subscriptions, and don't have you know. There's no intel on it that I haven't heard any announcements. But I'm like, man, if I was them, I'd be like, why not? Like, can we find the loyalty play here? Some kind of membership, you know? Why aren't you know? Could it be a a leader for them to do something like a like Walmart Plus, a Prime, you know, their own version of of a loyalty or membership program? So, you know, why not have it be part of that? While we're just making predictions and have a little fun, why not? That'd be cool. I mean, if just wait till Amazon launches health insurance. That's going to be nuts or something similar, right? I mean, I'd probably seek it out, right? All right. Well, I love that. Uh, final thoughts here, Zane. This, this has been a lot of fun on this one. Final thoughts. I'm just thinking who's going to acquire the Healthcare Rep podcast. That's what I want to know. <laughs> it could be like WebMD, could be the advisory board, maybe McKinsey. I don't know. Who, who wants to pay us to be on their staff and make content? Who wants the most informed information about consumer-centered innovation in healthcare? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. TBD. <laughs> Love that. Uh, perfect way for us to wrap up. Man, 300 episodes. I can't thank you enough for your participation in this and helping move this forward, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I, was, I was trying to say privilege and pleasure at the same time. It's been a pleasure and privilege since the beginning, way back in episode 
what, 200 and something? I yeah, started, was like one, I think we figured it out a couple weeks ago. It was like 148 or something. It was... Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It was crazy. It was a long time ago. And we still haven't met in person. We need to figure that one out. Well, that should be our last prediction is that we'll meet in person in 2024. Yes. We need to just make that happen. Yeah. It was one. It was episode 143. It was the January 2021. Yes. Crazy to think. Maybe we can just fly. Dude. I think it's probably easy for you to get to the Atlanta airport. I think I feel like everyone can get to the Atlanta airport easy. We'll just fly there, say hi, and fly home. <laughs> Record an episode and fly home. Yes. All right, man. Well, thanks so much. And that's a wrap. You know, we're having a lot of fun here. We'll see where we go and we'll we'll try to hold ourselves accountable through the year on this one. But uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for all the good things to think about. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Tell your colleagues to tune in for all the awesomeness. Then leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This show is produced by Shift Forward Health, the channel for changemakers. Subscribe to Shift Forward Health on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be subscribed to our entire library of shows. See our full lineup at shiftforwardhealth.com. One subscription, all the podcasts you need, and it's all for free. And remember, we might have a lot of work to do in healthcare, but we'll get there faster together. Thanks again.